Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you today? I am doing well. Chris, excited to talk about ponies per use. Always, always, always. Now, this is an interesting topic, and that's just because I personally take magnesium. I, I take it before I go to bed. I've read some online stuff. You never know if that's right to do, but am I doing the right thing? Does it, is it really going to help me sleep? Chris, I have no idea. I reserve all of my nutritional advice for horses, but you haven't died yet. So we got something going for us here. That's good. Yes, knock on wood. Okay. Okay. So, but magnesium is a, it's one of those, I don't know what call it, micronutrients, but a mineral that it, it's hot uh, on the market. Like I said, I, I do take it just to help sleep a little bit. From your standpoint for the ponies or for the horses, what is magnesium supposed to do for them? Yeah, so magnesium is something that has definitely been a trending supplement or ingredient for horses for quite a while. And normally, I think we see it go from the human side to the horse side. I would almost say like the horse world was ahead of the trend on this one. But, you know, magnesium does tons of stuff in the body. It's part of the skeleton. It's an activator for many enzymes that do all the processes that keep you alive in your body. I'd say biggest one that we're focused on on horses is its role in muscle contraction. Certainly, I think that's where the main focus has been, which makes sense. The horse is a giant animal with hundreds of muscles. It's something that we're highly focused on when we're thinking about the health and wellness of our equine partner. No, and I remember we did it. It was, I wrote it down. It was episode 101 on November 10th of last year, 2022. And we talked about this as a calming supplement. So it'll be interesting if I'm going to ask you a little bit later in the podcast, any any data to support that. I know we had, we, we had a fun one on that uh, with it, uh, with but magnesium. What are some of the sources? I guess my, my next question, rolling into my next question, what are some of the sources of magnesium in the diet? So what I'm, I want to build up to is is more better, which we'll get to, but should we be concerned about some deficiencies too? You know, or if we just feed them hay and a good concentrate, they should be fine. So the main source of magnesium in most horses' diets is their forage. And if you look at the NRC, Nutrient Requirements of Horses, they make some recommendations based on the existing research on what the horse's minimum magnesium requirements would be at different levels of work. And magnesium is what we call a macro mineral, meaning you need grams of it per day compared to our micro minerals that are in milligrams. And if you look at the NRC, your average size horse in light work requires 9.5 grams of magnesium per day. If we go all the way up to heavy work, they would require 15 grams of magnesium. So to kind of just give that some context, I, I took a little peek at the feed library in Dairy One. So it's mm. hundreds of thousands of tests that have been collected over many, many years. And it's a great place to look at average numbers for different ingredients. I'm not saying this is perfectly representative of every hay out there, but to just give us a little bit of context, your average grass hay has 0.2% magnesium content. And if we said that, let's say, 1,000-pound horse, 20 pounds a day, that would provide 18.1 grams of magnesium. 
which would exceed even that horse in very, very heavy work, think the thoroughbred racehorse. If we look at the low end of what that hay would provide, it'd be 0.1% magnesium. So that was the lowest test they had in their database for grass type hay. That'd be nine grams a day. So it would be close to covering that horse's requirement if they were in light work. If we look at our legumes like alfalfa, we know those are higher in some of our nutrients like calcium and also magnesium. So same amount. I'm going to feed that horse 20 pounds per day. The average magnesium concentration for alfalfa is 0.3%. So that's going to provide 27 grams just from your hay. If you said that 1,000 pound horse, 20 pounds per day. So it would far exceed the NRC recommendation. Now, if you go look in the NRC text, there's some research that says, you know, the existing recommendation, going back to the 1989 version, they updated it last in 2007. So they looked at all the research that had been developed since the 1989 one was published. Some of it said it's too low. Some of it said it's too high. And they ultimately decided there wasn't sufficient research to change that number. Now, like a true deficiency, I've never seen one in real life. And in that situation, I mean, that is a horse who is ataxic, they are trembling, they may die. So magnesium, def true clinical deficiency, very, very, very rare. What people are worried about and what they're looking to supplement and what supplement companies are telling them they need a supplement for is a subclinical deficiency. And I mean, we certainly can't rule out that that might be the case. And they're more so looking at symptoms like muscle tension, excitability, hyperesthesia, where like the horse doesn't like to be touched. Some of those things are thought to be possibly related to a subclinical deficiency in magnesium, even though in in all, the, but you know, the most extreme situations, you're probably covering the NRC recommendation just for magnesium in the forage alone, plus whatever you get from your concentrate. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if, I mean, listening to you, the, even if you take the low percentage, they're, they, they're getting basic enough or should or close to it. But if I throw in just a ration balancer, I mean, you're, you're going to cover that magnesium, right? Yes, according to the NRC recommendation, right? And, yeah. you know, maybe on the next one, we'll see that it should be increased. But relative to that, it's it's tough because the way we actually would measure magnesium status is what's called fractional excretion. We, we learn what goes in. We actually measure their urine. The problem is, you know, the bulk of the body's magnesium, so about 60% of it is stored in their skeleton about 30% in their muscle. And then there's there's a very tiny, tiny amount, maybe 1% in extracellular fluid. Meaning that a horse could be super deficient in magnesium and a blood test wouldn't even show it. So unfortunately, it's not something we can easily measure in a non-invasive, non-time-consuming way. Therefore, it's both hard to diagnose a subclinical deficiency and then hard to prove a horse doesn't have a subclinical deficiency. Yeah, I had a flashback while he mentioned that. And, and I remember Dr. Warren down in Florida, you know, collecting urine is not easy in, in, in a study. So hats off to you nutritionists who do that. You know, it's, uh, you know, wearing not diapers even. It was a collection thing that the, the mayors had to wear and to, to, to get every drop of urine to, to measure this stuff. It, hats off to you nutritionists that do that work. I like the repro side, but 
<laughs> getting back to magnesium. So, I mean, we do have some evidence. Okay, here's here's our our basic baselines. But what these these companies, these supplement companies, the reason I might take magnesium is more better. I mean, is there any evidence to support that? That, and I know it's hard in in our equine nutrition because there's not billions of dollars like in in human nutrition research. But is there any evidence that that if you give some more or supplement more magnesium, it's going to help our horses? Sure. Well, I mean, you can take the data that's published right in the NRC that says sometimes we think it might be higher. The problem was none of those studies were robust enough or repeatable enough to say as a group, yes, that that requirement should definitely be higher. There's been a little bit of newer research that's more focused on magnesium supplementation for key issues. For example, the calming. So there's one study that showed on, you know, moderate levels of magnesium supplementation, horses had a little bit less of a startle reflex. So essentially, they did something novel that would scare the horse and they'd see like, how far do they jump and how fast? Equine research can be entertaining sometimes. And and then, you know, there is another study that looked at, you know, magnesium for head shaking again not super robust. That's the challenge in equine nutrition. So largely, I would say, is it possible that some horses have subclinical magnesium deficiencies? Absolutely. Certainly would not rule that out. Um, Would it be great to have more research and a non-invasive test so we could very definitively look at that? Yes. Uh, You know, but generally I rely on first doing a dietary analysis. How much magnesium are they eating? If it's kind of close to that NRC recommendation, I think that puts heavier weight on Maybe a magnesium supplement, particularly in a horse that, you know, is a little bit flighty or, you know, has some muscle tension, whatever, that, you know, would be a clear indication. If you're feeding that 20 pounds of alfalfa and you're feeding 3x magnesium in just your forage alone, is extra magnesium on top going to help? I'd say probably not. The good news is, generally speaking, um, it's difficult to cause maser issues with magnesium supplementation. So, you know, with oral magnesium supplementation, you're going to create diarrhea long before you create a magnesium toxicity. That is not to say, I mean, there's certainly been issues in the horse world with injectable magnesium. And there have been horses and ponies who've died on an end of the needle because of injectable magnesium. So those are two separate conversations. But oral supplementation, largely fairly innocuous. If you start stacking multiple supplements with magnesium, you're likely to create diarrhea. Right. So how much is too much? Like, you know, we talked about you're like the higher end, 18 grams. That's the the basic standard or minimum standard uh, or minimum amount the horse would need to meet their needs. Where are we looking at that high end? Like you said, injectable. I, it's, it's, well, that's a whole different discussion, like you said, and, and, and ex- extreme caution, anybody doing that. Uh, but orally, you know, if you're feeding uh, oral supplementation magnesium, what are some of the, the, the high end levels that you would go, okay, don't exceed this, or you probably wouldn't want to exceed this? Yeah. So, you know, going back to NRC, 1,000-pound horse in light work needs 9.5 grams per day. 1,000-pound horse in intense, intense work, 15 grams a day. On the upward side, so, you know, the they estimate, you know, between 80 and 90 grams per day for that 1,000-pound horse, so you could reach uh, the max tolerable limit. And what the max tolerable limit is, is this quantity 
um, where you're not going to observe problems if fed over a long period of time, but like we are pushing it. So we don't want to go above that and have an acute toxicity event. So generally, I mean, a lot of these magnesium supplement products are 10 or 15 grams of magnesium added on top of their diet. So unless you start really stacking them or you look to, you know, injectable magnesium, you're generally not going to get near that toxic limit. Just be, always be careful. I just, yeah, injecting magnesium just to me sounds so wrong. Okay, that's just me. But if somebody does choose to give magnesium, would you recommend that? I guess you would recommend the, the injectable, but how would you, as a nutritionist, and they're like, okay, I want more magnesium for my horse. I'm feeding it this. I, I want some more. Where would they go? Yeah, so magnesium is an interesting mineral compared to some of the other ones. So we've talked in the past about organic and inorganic sources of things like copper and zinc, for example. And what that organic classification means is that it has a mineral with a carbon-containing molecule attached with it. The carbon is what makes it organic. That carbon could be an amino acid. That carbon could be a sugar molecule. It could be a full-on protein molecule. Most minerals, the inorganic forms, are less bioavailable than the organic forms. In the oxide forms, so when we go into our inorganics, we have oxides and sulfates are kind of the two primary ones. So you might see uh, magnesium oxide, magnesium sulfate. You know, for most nutrients, the oxide is like completely indigestible. Copper oxide does a whole lot of nothing. Iron oxide added for coloring in many horse feeds, not very digestible, absorbable, bioavailable. The interesting thing with magnesium in horses is the magnesium oxide is actually a pretty good source of magnesium. That's not to say that you don't get better absorption with some of your organic forms, mm -hmm. but uh, to be perfectly honest, in, in terms of bang for your buck, magnesium oxide can go pretty far. You'll probably see less and, you know, might have it in a fancy pellet if you look at some of the other sources. But it's one of the few minerals where, like, it's pretty much a free-for-all and it's not that big a deal to the horse what source it is in. The nice thing about the magnesium oxide, you're you're definitely not going to create a toxicity with that one. Um, and I, you would have to feed so much of any of the others. But, yeah, there's been lots of research and lots of discussion around, you know, the absorption of different trace minerals. And this is one of the few where the oxide is pretty readily available to the horse. Okay. Okay. Now we're not running too long. So I, I, I want to throw you a curveball if I can. <laughs> it, it, when you formulate your feeds, you know, on the tribute line, let's just use tribute line as, as an example. Is there various magnesium levels in the feed? Uh, you know, and do you, do you adjust those? Is there a reason you adjust those? Sure. We would look at that based on, you know, expected intake of different products. So a product that you're only going to feed a little bit, you might want to increase the magnesium level in that. A product that you're going to feed a lot of, you're going to have a lower level. So that's the same as many of our different nutrients. How concentrated a product is is dependent on how much of it you intend to feed with the goal of kind of creating a happy medium. So we're kind of looking at like, what are the average values of decently good hay? If y'all are feeding trash, hey, it's hard for me to formulate against that within normal intake levels. But if you're feeding within that belt curve of, okay, that's pretty darn good, 
we're looking for a product that covers the vast majority of those situations. And that's kind of how we're determining how much we put in. So like a lot of my full intake seeds, we're going to have 0.3% magnesium, really similar to your alfalfa haze, meaning that you might feed four pounds of that product. You might have a senior horse who you're feeding its whole diet, Mm -hmm. feeding it 20 pounds of product, split into at least four meals per day. Both ends of the spectrum, we're going to meet the minimum, not exceed that max tolerable limit, and frankly, not even get close to it to the point where we have to worry about that. That's my goal when I'm putting together products, recognizing that occasionally there's going to be some outliers. And that's where, you know, if you reached out for a personalized equine feeding plan and you have like a weird situation, one of the things we might recommend is testing your hay. And then we take a look at that and just see how is the total diet balance, because we understand what the middle of the bell curve could look like and then occasionally we have weird situations on the fringes yeah no and that link is always in the show notes contact us if that personalized feeding plan final question for you before you ask for any final tips a vitamin mineral block is that just meeting minimum standards so if if i put that out in my pasture or whatever for my horses you know i want to make sure they're getting enough vitamins and minerals it just in broad picture sense it just that kind of popped in my head as a question is that just meeting the, the minimums or is it maybe a little bit more? Ah, great question. So a lot of those blocks are like almost all salt. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to get any other nutrients mm-hmm. in there when it's predominantly salt. Mm-hmm. There are some that are formulated with a little bit lower salt where there's more space for other stuff. But that being said, generally most horses will not consume enough of those blocks to meet all of their needs, meaning they won't be able to consume enough block to fill in the gaps from their hay. So from that perspective, you know, my general recommendation is absolutely free choice salt. Um, Sometimes something like the constant comfort block, which is designed for gut health. But let's keep our main nutrients in something we control, like a ration balancer, for Mm. example. It's a real easy keeper. It doesn't need a lot of calories, but it needs amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins. I'll feed it a pound of essential K and then let it work on that salt block or if it needs a gut health block. Those are kind of bonus, but I, I hate, and maybe I'm you know, a little bit of a control freak here, but I hate to kind of give up the control of such an important thing in their diet to hoping they consume the right amount because that's very, very challenging in a free choice product, even if the formulation is such that they could consume it theoretically. Most of the products aren't even formulated to where they could meet those needs if the horse ate the intended amount every single day. Okay, good, good, good. So any tips when it comes to magnesium? I mean, I think you covered most of it. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, relatively harmless. Let's not stack multiple supplements. And and ultimately, if it's going to work 30 or 60 days, oftentimes many things have similar symptoms. Um, So, you know, you, you read some stuff on the internet and they're like, these are the symptoms of magnesium deficiency. And maybe they are for that horse. But a lot of times those overlap all sorts of other problems as well. And that's just something to be cognizant of when we're thinking about supporting overall health and wellness. No, it is. And, and like I said, I take it and, and I think it helps me sleep. I don't know. I, it's it's just one of those things I added and uh, my, my nutritionist friend said, hey, it might help you. So uh, anyways, great discussion. <laughs> For our horses, magnesium. Again, thank you to everybody that has left a review on iTunes. I'm looking through those. Thank you so much. It definitely helps motivate Nicole and I. 
And if you haven't, if you don't mind, or on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, drop us a five-star review. It just helps circulation and, and we get this information out to more horse owners around the world and, and help these ponies uh, live healthy and happy lives and owners because that's why we have them. So thank you so much, Dr. Rambo, and uh, stay tuned next week for another great episode. Ah, thank you.